Good morning. If you would, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. This summer we've been walking through this book, learning to walk with the wise. Since the lights aren't working up here, that I can actually see my notes. Could get dicey. Who knows what I'm going to say. Past few weeks, or past couple of weeks rather, we have uh, we've turned our attention to wisdom and our emotions. Right, last week I said that our emotions are like these dashboard lights that our hearts throw up uh, that tell us there's something going on underneath the hood. And so, we uh, last week we looked at anger, what God's wisdom has to say to our anger. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about anger's ugly twin sister, jealousy. So if you would, Proverbs 14 is where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the one that's there in the uh, pew. should be on page 538. Proverbs 14, verse 30 is what we are going to be looking at this morning. And remember, as we go through the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs isn't written in a linear fashion... We're, we're treating this something like walking through a gold mine, okay? We're, we're picking up different nuggets of truth. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at different proverbs relating to this topic of, of envy or jealousy, uh, and we're going to be examining them a little bit more closely. So I'm going to start with Proverbs 14.30, but then I'll read some other proverbs as we go through the sermon. So let's, uh, let's look at God's Word together. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A tranquil heart... Gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, you have made us body and soul. And just as you are a feeling being, Lord, you have emotions, so we have emotions. And yet, Lord, we acknowledge that our emotions, unlike yours, are all out of whack. They... Uh, take on sizes much too large for us. We feel some things too acutely, and we don't feel other things acutely enough. And so, Lord, help us again as we open up your wisdom. God, we pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Essayist Joseph Epstein wrote a book called Envy. I want you to to listen to this description. He says, Malice that cannot speak its name, cold-blooded but secret hostility, hidden rancor and spite, all cluster at the center of envy. Envy clouds thought, clobbers generosity, precludes any hope, of serenity or peace, and ends in shriveling the heart. Of the seven deadly sins, only envy is no fun at all. Of a couple of the authors that I looked at this week, a couple of them pointed out that you know some of the other seven deadly sins, if you're not familiar with that, there's a great Brad Pitt movie. I'm just kidding. Don't go watch that movie. It's pretty gruesome. All right. Um, the seven deadly sins are these sins from like church history and culture that uh, they're pride and lust and gluttony and wrath and, ma- uh, and envy. 
that. I can't remember all seven of them. And actually, Proverbs addresses quite a few, and we, uh, not really planning to, will actually look at a number of them. But envy alone, when you think about some of the other big banner sins, they actually cause a little ping in the pleasure centers of our brain, right? So gluttony or lust or pride will actually activate the part of your brain that gives pleasure. But envy does not. Envy is, uh, so as, as Epstein says, envy is the only one uh, that is no fun at all. It gives no reward. It simply is just a, a black hole. Um, what, what is envy? What is jealousy? What do, we, what do we mean by that? How does the Bible talk about it? And you may find it interesting to know that when the Bible talks about jealousy, like anger, there is a good side to it. Right? Uh, Derek Kidner, who is an Old Testament scholar, says this, that jealousy is a mark of love, and it is the opposite of indifference. Jealousy is a mark of love. It is the opposite of indifference. All right, when you think about that, right, what, why, why is that true? Well, jealousy prizes uh, something that belongs to it. And so when, when something comes in, when something attacks what we prize or what we hold dear, jealousy is what we feel. If you don't care about someone, then you would be indifferent. If you don't care about a relationship, you don't care about a person, then you're indifferent to kind of how it goes, right? You're apathetic. A break in the relationship doesn't really bother you. But if you're committed to someone, and if you love someone, then jealousy is what you feel when that love is threatened. And so that's why God, for instance, can say about himself, even in the Ten Commandments, that he is a jealous God. Because he loves his people, and he is committed to his people, and when something comes in to threaten that relationship, he is jealous. He responds with jealousy. Uh, the word can also be translated zealous, right, to have zeal. So like when Jesus clears out the temple, uh, when there's a market in the way of people worshiping God, it's, uh, Jesus clears them out of the temple, and it says that zeal for his father's house consumed him. Right? Uh, his father was not receiving the glory that he deserved, and people were not having access to God. And so that caused righteous jealousy to rise up within Jesus, and he responded. That's righteous jealousy. But we don't usually mean jealousy in that way, do we? When we think about jealousy, uh, really, we, this is where we use the word envy. Uh, Tim Keller says it this way, Sinful jealousy is not jealousy for someone, but of someone. Right? We envy the skills or the appearance or the success of another person. We envy the relationships that others have. I wish my marriage were like that. I wish my family were like that. I wish I had friends like them. That's envy. Wanting something that God has not given us. Envy is wishing we had someone else's life. We want to be them. And probably we want them to fail. Right? We, when 
Let's say I, I envy someone's success. That's pretty normal. It's pretty standard for me. I'm a pretty insecure guy. So when other people are more successful in life than I am, I envy their success. And so when that person fails, when some kind of fall happens, envy throws a little party in my heart, doesn't it? I celebrate. Uh, rather, rather than weep uh, over the failure of others, I celebrate the failure of others. That's what envy does. And so it makes sense, right, that the proverb says that envy rots the bones. So this morning, it's going to be pretty simple. I hope to help us see how God's grace moves us from soul-rotting envy to life-giving joy. And we're just going to look at it in two parts. We're going to talk about how envy rots and then how joy refreshes. So envy rots. Again, Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. What vivid imagery that is. What the proverb is saying is that envy is, envy is soul cancer, right? Uh, it, it eats us up spiritually and physically. It saps our strength and vitality. And I want you to notice how the Bible treats us as whole people, right? We, we have a tendency to kind of put our feelings over here and our bodies over here. But the Bible actually puts them together, right? We are, com- we are complete beings, mind, soul, body, and so when I'm envious, not only does it affect me at an emotional level, but it also affects me at a physical level. Right? That's why our emotions do certain things to our faces. And so I can't just keep a feeling on the inside, but it also comes out. Right? Not only does envy sap me uh, spiritually and emotionally, but it also saps me physically. Envy rots us from the inside out. Proverbs 27.4 says this, Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? What's that saying? Anger and wrath are destructive, but jealousy is more powerful. How? Well, because jealousy is never satisfied. Right? So, Going back to my example of envying another person's success, that person has a major fall. Uh, They fall in such a way it brings them down. They're no longer successful. So this person that I've envied is is no longer successful. I no longer have reason to envy them. And yet what what has not changed? Me. I'm still the same. I'm still doing the same things. I'm still living the same way. I, I am achieving no more. I'm having no more success because this person has fallen. So this object of my envy is removed, but I'm not satisfied. I just My, my envy goes looking for another object. Envy is this black hole that all it does is, is consume. Anger has an end, but jealousy and envy do not. President Teddy Roosevelt uh, is rumored to have said that comparison is the thief of joy. Maybe you've heard that before. Comparison is the thief of joy. Why? Because if I'm always looking at what you have and wishing it were mine, I refuse to see what I have. I refuse to find joy in what God has given me. And that's where it connects into the spiritual realm, into our relationship with God. Zach 
mentioned this earlier. And at the most basic level, envy is saying, God's holding out on me. He hasn't given me the same good gifts he's given to others. Let's pause right there. That's true. God does not distribute his gifts equally. Not everybody looks the same. Not everybody has the same bank account. Not everybody was born to the same parents or in the same country. Right? God unequally, unevenly distributes his gifts. And that's true. But what envy says is it looks at that truth and it says, I deserve what they have. I need that in order to be complete. God is not treating me fairly. God is not good. That's what envy says. And so the result is that I shut myself off to God. Now, I can still play the church game. right? I can still come and sing the songs and pray the prayers. But on the inside, my soul is shut off to God. right? I refuse to see the ways that he is at work in my life. I refuse to see the ways that he is using me, that he is working in me and that he's working around me. Envy shuts me off to God. So how do we conquer, right? If envy rots us from the inside out, if it takes away our our physical and emotional and spiritual strength, how do we conquer that? And the short answer, at least that the Proverbs seem to give us, is joy. And we actually have to choose joy. Again, Proverbs fourteen thirty, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. So the opposite of envy here is a tranquil heart or a heart of calmness or a heart of healing. Proverbs fifteen thirteen, A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Proverbs seventeen twenty two: A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. All these proverbs indicate that if we have a heart of joy, it will bring health and healing and give life. Right In the same way that envy rots and takes away, Joy heals and gives life. And think about it. Envy is a taker. And joy is a giver. Envy says, give me more. That's not enough. Joy says, here, have some more. I've got plenty. The the modern psychological term for this is a mindset. Right? What kind of mindset do you have? Do you have a heart of joy, ready to give life, ready to give healing? Or do you have a heart of envy, this crater, this black hole that's always sucking in and never giving anything? Now, you know, we're all a little bit more complicated than that. Sin makes things complicated. I'm a mixed bag of joy and envy. Right there, there are parts of my heart that are genuinely glad, that are genuinely joyful. And there are dark recesses of my heart where envy still has a firm hold. So how do I move from one to the other? How do I approach those corners 
of my heart? How do I cultivate joy that refreshes instead of envy? Now, my first thought when I was writing this, my first thought was to say, well, I just should just focus more on what, on what I have. Right? Be grateful for what you have. Be thankful for the gifts that God has given you. And that's true. We certainly should. Gratitude would be a good response to envy. But as I studied, I realized that the gospel doesn't focus us on ourselves. It focuses us on others. So let's, let's take the gospel and let's press it out. Envy causes me, to, right, should I look at another person, even a friend, as an enemy? I want what you have. So consider these suggestions from writer Tilly Dillahay. She says this, if you want to conquer your envy, first, thank God for the success of the person you envy. So don't just thank God for the gifts you have, but thank God for the gifts that she has or he has. Ask God for the further success of the person you envy. So if he gets the job you wanted, ask God to help him do well in it. Third, enjoy the gifts that God gave to the person you envy. So maybe you envy someone's sense of humor. Laugh at their jokes. Enjoy the fact that God made them funnier than you. It's okay. Right? Um, if, somebody, if God makes somebody more knowledgeable than you, enjoy that good gift. Enjoy the knowledge that God has given them. Learn from them. Don't begrudge them that gift. They didn't, they didn't do anything to deserve it. They were simply given it. So enjoy it. So thank God. Pray for them. Enjoy the gifts. But here's the tough one. Praise the person you envy. Praise the person you envy. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.29. He says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Right, so the, the envious person grumbles and gossips. Right? Uh, they, they shoot little barbs out with their, with their words. They're seeking to bring the person they envy down a notch. Right? So they're using their words to bring someone down. They're corrupting the body. Right? Paul's talking to the church. They're corrupting the church. But Paul says, no, use your words for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. And this is the hardest thing, because I can do those first three while still harboring envy. Right? That's, that's how conflicted sinners are. I can, I can pray, I can thank God for a person, I can pray for that person, and still be harboring envy in here. But when I have to look that person in the face and say... I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful that you're a better pastor than me. I'm thankful that you're a better preacher than me. God has used you to benefit my life. I'm thankful that you're better at engaging non-Christians than I am. And that God's really building up his church through your gifts. I'm so glad that you're in the world and that God is using you. Do you feel what happens in your heart? 
as you begin to praise someone that you envy, it actually, it actually drains that vat of soul poison. Right? I actually feel my heart beginning to change towards that person because I'm actually having to speak out loud the reality that I want to be true inside. I don't want to envy them. I don't want to harbor bitterness against them. So I can say things like, I'm glad that you're such a good friend and that you gather people around you the way that you do. That's awesome. I'm glad God's given you that ability. Right? Praise the person that you envy. These are just some ways that maybe we can begin to conquer the envy in our hearts by the Holy Spirit's power. But ultimately, the place where envy meets its match and where joy is cultivated is the place where God has, what God has done for me in Jesus. Right? As I begin to reflect on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that's really where envy dies. Right? Because what envy says is, I'm, I am incomplete. I do not have enough. I must have more. I am incomplete. But what the gospel says is, in Jesus, you have everything. In Jesus, you have the complete approval of God the Father. There's nothing that you lack in God's eyes. And therefore, I, I don't need to succeed. My success as a pastor, your success as a father or a wife or a student or wherever it is God has placed you, your success is not your defining characteristic. Your identity is secure in God. You have his complete approval because of Jesus. So there's nothing I lack. And because I'm in Jesus, I have all the riches of God. Maybe not now in this life, but one day someday. It won't matter how much is in my bank account and how much is in your bank account. In God, I have everything that I need. There's nothing to gain. Envy gets me nothing. So if I'm in Christ, I have God's approval. I have God's riches. There's nothing else that I need. There's nothing to, nothing to prove, nothing to gain. So where are you this morning? What, what good thing are you craving? What good thing do you not have that you're just craving that God would give you? What good thing do you not have that that God hasn't already given you in Jesus. It's so interesting. When you think back to the garden. What was it that the serpent said to Eve? God knows that when you eat of the fruit of that tree. You'll be like him. But do you know what God said about them in Genesis 1? When he made them in his image. They'll be like us. They'll be like me. Man and woman were already made in God's image. They were already like God as they could be. And that's the, that's the soul rot of envy. It always promises more and it never delivers. But what happens is, right, we have this Jesus-shaped hole, this void in our hearts that envy cannot fill, but Jesus does. So this morning, I want you to rejoice. If you're in Christ, you have everything that you need. There is nothing that you lack. Amen. As we move into a time of prayer, I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. 
Um, you'll notice up on the screen it says that as far as our, our local prayers this morning go, we have some volunteer needs as we begin to start some ministries up again that we haven't done in a year and a half. There's a few things that we need. We need Sunday school teachers for our youth class and our upper elementary Sunday school class. Uh, we need uh, volunteers in our sound booth, people to help run the screen and the soundboard. We'll give you all the training uh, that you need for that. I don't know that the training will go for when days when the, when the lights don't turn on, but, um, you know, a cool, calm head is all you need for that. Uh, people for our welcome team. Uh, we need volunteers for that as well. So be thinking as I pray, um, if, if there's an area in which you feel like God may be leading you to serve, I want you to be thinking about that. Uh, and then you see our other prayer uh, focuses as well up on the board. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray together. Our good and gracious King, Lord, we thank you that you have given us everything that we need and more in your Son, Jesus. So we can truly say there is nothing we lack. Lord, would you help us not to envy those who are prettier than we are, or smarter than we are, or stronger than we are, more successful than we are. Those who've been born into different families or married different spouses, who have personalities that we wish we had. Lord, would you... Cause us not to envy, but to rejoice. Lord, would you give us a heart of joy that refreshes others, that refreshes our own souls, that gives healing to our bodies. Would you take away the envy that rots us? Lord, we pray for our local body here. Lord, we pray that you would provide our needs in terms of uh, different ministries. Lord, that uh, you would provide people who are willing to serve uh, your church in different ways so that we could more completely serve, Lord, and so that every person in the body would find their place to serve, their place to give. Lord, locally and nationally, we pray uh, now as COVID numbers continue to rise, we pray for those who have fallen victim to it particularly those who are struggling in hospitals uh, for weeks on end, on ventilators and such. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to them and rest to their families. Lord, we pray uh, for the fear that surrounds these things. Lord, we pray uh, that you would cast out such fear with your love. And Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to know how to walk best in these days. Uh, and to share the love of Jesus for a in a world that desperately needs it. Father, for our world, we pray today for the countries of Kyrgyzstan and Laos. Two countries uh, with very similar stories. Christians in these places uh, face resistance from family and government alike. And yet, Lord, we thank you uh, that you are growing your church. Lord, in Kyrgyzstan, we thank you for leaders that are emerging especially among young professionals. Father, we pray that you would build your church uh, with these people. And Lord, we thank you for the church in Laos 
uh, even uh, in a Buddhist background country, that the church here is enjoying rapid growth. Lord, we pray that that would continue. Father, we pray that you would give wisdom to our brothers and sisters in both of these places, that they may serve their communities well, that they would share their faith wisely, and that you would build and grow your church. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.